0: Welcome to Unity of Fairfax, a positive path for spiritual living and spiritual center for education, practice, and service in Northern Virginia. We hope you find inspiration in this week's message. Bask in that wonderful energy of hope and peace. And I was thinking about that. I'm thinking about what makes for hope and peace, especially at a time like this. And the word that keeps coming back to my mind for me at this particular week is the word belonging. Everybody wants to belong to something. We want to know that we are a part of something larger than ourselves. We want to know that we're noticed and witnessed. We want to know that we are included. So I'll say more about that in just a moment. Because this year, during the Advent season, I have really set a very conscious intention to lean into the experience. There have been times in years past where I've really, well, I've always enjoyed the season. Let me just backtrack. But this year, I'm being much more intentional that when we talk about this idea of a symbolic rebirth of Christ within, I want that to be a lived and felt experience. I don't want it to just be the thing we talk about because it's Advent and that's the thing you're supposed to do. I want to know that something has been changed in me, something has been awakened, something has been reborn, and I want to be able to to say I can observe how that has happened And so the vehicle that I am using for that experience, the um, avenue for that sort of uh, growth is leaning into the nativity stories. There are two of them, recall two of them, one in the book of Matthew and the other in the book of Luke. Similar in some respects, very different in other respects. And it kind of reminds, and somebody once asked me, well, why aren't the stories the same? And my first thought was kind of snarky. Well, if there was the same, if they were the same, well, you'd only need one of them, and you'd save paper, and you wouldn't have to wait. <laughs> it's a whole different conversation. The other explanation is, is kind of like we talk about uh, the idea of witness. If, if four people are standing on street corners and there's a car accident, you will get four very different versions of what happened, and yet they'll all be right, at least from the perspective of the individual who saw it. So when I'm leaning into these stories this year, I'm bringing the experience of what happened since last year. I'm a different person leaning into the stories. And so what first strikes me as we look at these stories is that in both of them, there are genealogies. And if you're familiar with, these, the, with the Christmas story, you've probably opened up the book of, of Matthew or Loke in your Bible, as I know you do. And I uh, <laughs> and, um, and think, yeah, it's a baguette and baguette and baguette and yeah, baguette. Okay, let, let's move on to the exciting part. When did the shepherds show up? <laughs> these stories are important, and they're important on many levels, And for me, they are inviting me into a greater experience of this idea of belonging. Now, in the Gospel of Matthew, the story, the genealogy goes all the way back to the great patriarch, Abraham. And for the audience that that scholars believe that Matthew was writing for, which is a predominantly very Jewish audience, they would recognize, oh, Abraham is our great... A patriarch. He's really where we as a people got started. So in a sense, Matthew is conveying the message to the people who would be hearing these stories, because most of the people were illiterate. He's saying to them, look, here's the origin story of Jesus, and he's one of us. You really need to pay attention. He's like, he's one of us. You know, he belongs to us. Now, then when you look at the Gospels of Luke, and you look at the genealogy there, it's all different people. You know, the in-laws, the other side of the family. And it goes all the way back to Adam, the very first man. The author of Luke is believed to have been a pagan follower of the Jesus movement. And what he was saying in his story is, look, this Jesus guy goes all the way back to Adam. He's one of us. You should follow him. The authors are conveying a message, and what they're saying is this Jesus belongs to all of us, depending on, regardless of what corner you are standing on the street. And so we lean into those stories, and we, we see in them, I mean, the gospel stories about the teaching of Jesus, which I love. You, you see somebody who was a rule breaker, an iconoclast, who, who did crazy, silly things like preach to women and welcome the men, and and he would talk to the oppressor Romans and do healing work with them, and he would engage with the scribes and the Pharisees in both uh, very loving ways and very uh, antagonistic ways, and he would even go so far as to welcome children and say the most heretical thing of all, it is to such as these that the kingdom belongs I mean, this guy did everything wrong you're not supposed to do. If there was a rule, he broke it. I love this guy. <laughs> because he, because I'm, I'm basically a rule follower. So it's like, oh, I need somebody to help me stretch in my lived experience of Advent. But there's something about these genealogies that is important for us to know. There are a lot of things, and we covered a lot of them in the metaphysical group this morning. I'm not going to go there. I'm going to go to a different area. The genealogies offered... In both of the Gospels, belong to Joseph. And if you recall from the Bible stories, Joseph was not Jesus' biological father. The scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit was the father. Well, maybe they made their babies differently back then, but I tend to believe there's a di- another story going on. But what is significant to me is that both the authors of these Gospels made it a point to clarify, this is Jesus' father. He's saying there's a connection. He's saying not only does Jesus belong to Joseph, he gets all Joseph's people, regardless of what side of the street. Why is that significant? When I think about the term belonging, by and large, it says to me, who are the people in your life to whom you belong and who belong to you? More often than not, we start with our families. Families come in a lot of shapes and sizes and descriptions. So what we call the holy family traditionally was actually a blended family. And it reminds me that whoever we give our heart to, those to whom we give our love, those are our family. Those are the people to whom we belong. It is significant to me that what we consider Holy Scripture begins the story of the great example of Jesus, the embodiment of Christ's consciousness, with a father who was not a biological father. It asked me the question, who am I willing to bring in? Who am I willing to love and call my own, even if we are not biological? We do that with our spouses, right? We do that with our family of choice as well. Because let's acknowledge not all of our biological families are, are the partridge family or the cleavers. There might be a cleaver involved. <laughs> That's a different talk for a different day. And it's great if we're the partridge family and we're all singing together. And it's great if, if mom makes dinner in high heels and a pearls. I don't know who ever did that. I know my mother never did. Uh, but who do you consider family? Who are you willing to consider family? That's what I think this story tells us. How broadly will you open your heart? Will you allow into your heart, to the most profound levels, someone who doesn't look like you? Or maybe someone who does look like you. Will you bring into your family and into your heart all of their people as well, and claim them as your own. You know, I think about this on the macro level. When I think about the individuals who take the citizenship from one country to another. Some of you have done that. And all of a sudden, the history that was there in that country, in that region, in that family, you can now claim as your own. Good, bad, and ugly. Because if you look in those genealogies of Jesus, there are some real, we'll just say characters. You probably have some in your biological family. You probably have some in your family of choice. Are you willing to love them and say, these are my people? If And are they willing to accept you and say, this is mine. This is my child. I accept it happens, like I say, in the more intimate level. It happens on the collective level, nations. And it happens when we come together in a place like this. I mean, I was thinking about the history of the Unity Movement. Our, our movement dates its origin story to 1889. It's not that far, which means that most of us who uh, are Unity Truth students, members of Unity of Fairfax or Unity Church or Center somewhere else, probably were not born into Unity. We didn't have that luxury. And if we had, think of all the money we would have saved on therapy. Again, different talk for a different day. Because when you learn to understand where your thought process and where it comes from, it's like, ah, oh, I can make some different decisions. I'm actually not an eternal victim. I can be a victor. I can be in verity consciousness. Kaylon's been doing her studies in unity, I can tell. So we, we decide to claim all that. Joseph said to Jesus, that's the story, you are my son now. <laughs> Look at the people you get. You come to this country, you join, become a member of another country. That's what you get. You come to a unity center and, the share, and we share a history that goes back to 1889. Most of us weren't born into unity and yet we come here. Now we have that thing that connects us. It's not just the teachings of new thought in unity. It is the people who have come before us. Those are our people. Unity Village is our spiritual home, whether or not we've ever been there. I love that. I love that willingness to open my heart and include. And I can accept the richness and the grace and the gifts that come. And it is so sad to me when I see families or individuals who don't have that inclusive, loving nature And I think of so much that they are losing and missing out on. And sometimes I feel really angry at that. I honor my humanity. And then I can move into compassion, compassion when I think about what they are missing by not having open hearts and open minds. That's their journey, and that's where they're going. On a very practical level, I did some research about this idea of step families and and all that and discovered that in Fairfax County alone here in Virginia, there are 200 kids in foster care. And I wanted us to hold a collective prayer that they all find safe and loving homes where they are valued and treasured and encouraged to be the best selves that they can be. Because there's no shortage of love in the world. And then I looked, and in our country, in the United States of America right now, there are around 400,000 minors in foster care, 117,000 more or less available for adoption. And I said to myself, is it possible that in this country there could be homes for all of these children, some with special needs, Is it possible that all their needs could be met? Is it possible that there are hearts looking to love these children into successful adulthood? And I said, there are. And though we may not know who they are, we can begin that process. And I invite all of you, this is part of our homework for this week, as we think about this week of love And this idea of this blended holy family that we can hold the consciousness. Every one of these children will find their forever home and be loved and appreciated. And then I thought about all those children around the world. There is enough love. There is enough grace to accept them all. So let's go into prayer for a moment. Prayer is the heart and the foundation of the unity movement. And today I invite you to know with me that in the kingdom of God, there are more than enough homes, loving, safe, supportive homes for all these children. There are more than enough foster parents, step parents, grandparents, Waiting to affirm these children and to knowing the truth of who they are as individualized and unique creations of God. May that consciousness of Joseph's open heart extend to them all. May they know the peace that passes understanding. And may they claim the blessings of their life journey and realize that in truth, there has always been and always will be a sacred and holy presence enfolding each and every one of them, letting them know they matter, affirming their dignity, and providing for all their needs. This is the prayer we make in and through the power of the living Christ. And so it is. Amen and amen. Now related to that is the idea of Santa. This year, we, are not, we haven't been contacted by Santa meaning to help out, meaning we, our compassionate service team hasn't yet come up on full speed since the closure. But I do invite you, as you are moved, to support those organizations that are making sure all the kids get something this year. Santa needs a lot of helpers. Well, that's kind of heavy, isn't it? Well, let's lighten things up. I opened with this line out of the book of John about giving up one's life for one's country. I wanna share a brief personal story. I'll try not to cry and then close with a scripture. One of my heroes is watching. That's you, dad. When my parents married, my mother already had children from prior marriages. And my father legally adopted my sisters. Sometimes I wish he hadn't. But anyway, (laughs) 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 they were older sisters and they fought a lot. Anyway, he had the heart and the willingness and that same Holy Spirit intuition that came to Joseph and he said, I will take these children as my own. They will get all my people for better or worse. And I will always be there for them. So I can't help but think of this week of love without the considering my father's example and the way he loved me and the way he worked and worked and worked in good times and bad times to make sure we all had what we needed. My dad is Christmas. So is the best thing we can do to lay down our lives for our friends, or is there something better? We read this in Mark chapter 12. One of the scribes came near and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, he asked them, which commandment is the first of all? And Jesus answered, the first is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Then the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher, for you have truly said that he is one, and beside him there is no other, and to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding, with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself. This is much more important than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to them, You are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one dared ask him any question. Let your love be the gift you give to the world. And honor those who love you by receiving their love. Merry Christmas. Thank you for tuning into Unity of Fairfax podcast. You're welcome to join us live in Oakton, Virginia every Sunday at nine and 11 a.m. or view our live stream services from our website at unityoffairfax.org. We appreciate our donations to support this podcast to make our message of positive, practical spirituality more accessible to all. See you next time.